Welcome to Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting body language expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion-dollar business deals. And I want you to be able to tell whose pants are on fire, make better decisions, and build your bottom line as well. Get ready. Let's dive in. It's Tracy back with another episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups with my sidekick and super producer, Alex. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Well, um, I'm psyched you're here because, you know, it's been, uh, we're recording and Christmas has just passed. Christmas has just passed. I, uh, I survived the visit from my parents, which- Just barely. Just barely. I did. Yeah. I had to do some uh, some recovery. Now, I love my parents and, and we just live far apart. We're not used to spending all this time together. But you know what uh, is relevant at Christmas is presents. Such which, as? Such what as? did you get? I got high performance sheets. High performance king size sheets for me. Uh, and uh, I will share them with my husband. <laughs> Does that mean that after you knock him off, you're going to roll him up in the sheets so that you? No, can... no. Okay. I think we're just going to sleep. We're just going to do some average. <laughs> Is average... it going to be high performance sleep? It's going to be high performance sleep. And I what exactly does that... it say that on the package? It does. It says it. Yeah, it says it. And what does that does it mean? Like they they come pre lubed or something? I don't know. We don't need lube. I don't know. But uh, I'll I'll have a more complete report later when okay. we put them on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I know I know you got some Christmas presents. I'm still on the low viscosity sheets. <laughs> those are low performance sheets. No, we're no, we're off those now. And, <laughs> and we're going into the Christmas present that I got for you. I don't know if that qualifies as a present or a curse, but I've got a mustard flavored soda right here that, that looks remarkably like bull urine. And um, <laughs> I, I can't wait to watch you drink it. I'm not going to drink it. You're going to drink it. You got to drink this. Yeah, you thing. are. are you you got, we're doing a taste test right now. So, so we got mustard soda. We got mustard flavored soda, and, 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 and this, we have enchilada soda. Enchilada soda, and I got this at the candy store. And we also have Dr Pepper, um, Fritos. Uh, no, Dr Pepper, candy, cotton candy, cotton candy, right? Cotton candy. So, yeah. So you know, as part of our, um, because you know, all we do is talk about what is really true here. Mm. And uh, and what is a truth, a lie, or a cover up? We're going to do a little taste test of these uh, right now. These fantastic Christmas gifts. So, do you have the bottle opener, Chica? Okay, I am way ahead and, of you which, here. I have got my mustard, mustard flavored soda. No, it's French. It's mustard. No, I don't think it's French. It says it's right not. here at the bottom. You know, in glass bottle fragile. You know <laughs> Just drink it. What's it like? So that is not mustard. That's the suspense is killing me. Now I got this down at the store down on Pearl Street. Uh, it's called Rocket Fizz, and and there's a lot of them around. And they have. I went in it to try to find the most unique soda for Alex that I could, and he can't put his finger on what it tastes like. But we so far we got it's not mustard. Alex, what is it? Okay, you know what it tastes like is a. Uh, it tastes like a lemon drop without the acidic sour bite. It's oh. that same sweetness in a lemon drop. So, like if you were to take a lemon drop and crunch it up in your yeah, mouth and you get that yeah. burst of like sweetness, uh -huh. that's what it is. And there's nothing after that. There's no mustard tang. And so I we're going to give that a uh, lie. 
I think you should stop using this in your mustard flavored barbecue sauce that you make at home. I don't do that. You know why? Because I don't think that's a good addition. You know who makes mustard barbecue sauce is like people on the East Coast. We don't do that. Yeah, well, mustard is South Carolina, I think. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what What is it in Texas? Uh, just regular barbecue sauce. Ketchup. It's ketchup. More ketchup like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's all barbecue sauce is, is ketchup and brown sugar, basically. Except but. if you put mustard in it, like, and that's just, I'm just going to say, I'm going to go on record. It's the wrong way to do it. Okay. That's Lester's fixings. Y'all get your fixings on. All right. We're going to okay. crack open another one just for fun. Enchilada soda. What do you think? <laughs> I think the picture of an enchilada covered in enchilada sauce, cheese, and a slab of butter is less than appealing for an orange what looks like an orange fanta it looks like an orange crush is what it looks yeah. like okay down the hatch you're doing quite oh deals the- meal that's awful <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding no, me wait, with that? Wait. why is it you're taking a second drink though why is it awful so it starts out with sort of a sweet fanta rush but it's chased by let me see if i can describe this you're sitting down to a plate of authentic Mexican food. You've got an enchilada, you got a burrito, whatever. Uh-huh. It's smothered. And you take a bite of it, you get the sauce first, whatever it's smothered in. So green chili or enchilada uh-huh. sauce or whatever. But then underneath there in the tortilla, it's just meat. Just right. like grilled and usually fairly oily meat in there. Uh-huh. And that's got kind of a meaty taste to it, if you will. I mean, there's no real flavor to meat per se, uh-huh. except, you know, oil and heat. Right. Basically. So that's what follows on after the first initial rush of this soda, which is a little bit like Fanta. And then you get hit with kind of a meat soda. Meat. So- oh, you're taking a third drink. All right. They're not yep. very big drinks. I've noticed. Don't want any more of that. <laughs> we're done with that. Okay. So we're going to give that a, uh, would, would you, would you call it like Ooh. close to enchilada taste? The look on your face is horrible right now. Yeah. It's like a, oh, that aftertaste of like like chicken wing okay so so are we saying like not not far from the truth or is it like like a good i would say that's fairly authentic really but one look i mean you've seen this picture on here right this is um lester it's gross yeah that's lester he's got his picture on the bottle and just looking at his body language he's full of it He's he's never had his drink. Okay, Clearly. so so we're gonna give that truth. Wow, truth for it's terrible. All right, so now you gotta you gotta wash it down with something. I'm sure that is gonna be good. You have Dr Pepper, cotton candy. I see it on the desk behind you. You're gonna need to open that up. Green tea. You're in your 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 palate cleansing <sighs> with green tea. Now what happened is I actually bought the uh I bought the the two sodas. You and gotta be kidding me! Cotton what? candy with the sweet taste of Dr Pepper. Yeah. I thought that would be a miracle because I I saw that on my way out of the store and I actually walked back and bought it again, like second purchase. So, because Dr. Pepper, we all know, is the nectar of the gods. So I thought, how could it be bad? Alex, try it. No. You're not going to do it? No. Save it for me. This is like, this looks like a lump of spam. Oh, that does look gross. (laughs) Like, it looks like a bull heart, basically. just, Just rip it apart. See what happens. No, I don't want to touch it. Okay. <laughs> You're really not going to do it, are you? You know what this looks like? This looks identical to. It does look gross. Insulation like a, in your walls. It, it, it looks like a lung. 
It's okay, fi- yeah, I'm it's gonna, fiberglass installation. Right? I'm, I'm not eating this stuff. No, I want to try it later. I'm going to come over later and try it. So, say what I'm going to do. I'm going to compress it down to about the size of a golf ball. No, don't so do that. So you can eat it in one leave bite. Leave me a bite. Well, so I'll leave so, you the whole thing. So we talked about it looking like a bull heart, which is um very apropos because you know who uh, our guest today talks about cattle wrestling. I cannot wait to dig into this one. What now? Tell me these pieces again. This is somebody who was an astronaut who rustles cattle. No, Amber Weber. She is a dental fraud consultant. And we got to talking. I did not know this before our interview. She, I didn't know dental fraud was a thing. De- oh, a 70, 75% of dental offices experience fraud at least once. So the, the office is being fraudified or they're committing the fraud yeah. on the patients uh uh no the uh, people that work there are um stealing money from the doctor oh got it okay i thought this mm-hmm. was going to be like one of those secret hidden camera things mm-hmm. when you you take your car to the to the jiffy lube and you have secret hidden no. cameras underneath it and you catch them not actually changing the oil i thought maybe they were going to not yeah. actually nope. change Mm-mm. my teeth nope nope um so anyway she is a former rodeo queen she's former miss rodeo wyoming oh no kidding yeah and so we talked all about cattle rustling and how they're doing it these days because it's a thing and Mm -hmm. then we and then we talked about dental fraud and then she is going to tell us get this she's going to tell us what happens when you are doing dental fraud and then you win the lottery and you're going to be shocked at what happens what on earth you got to listen i'm not going to tell you right now you got to listen to find out I mean, this this combination just does not sound realistic. Cattle rustling, dental fraud, and lottery. Yeah, it's all. We're gonna put all three of those together. We are going for it this time. It's like it's like (laughs) we. This is the enchilada soda of podcasts. That's what this is. With a little bit of mustard flavor over the top of your cotton candy, you cannot beat this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can't. So let's do this. Let's get to Amber, and I will talk to you later. Sounds good. It's Tracy. I am back with another episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I am so excited today because we have my new friend Amber Weber on. And um, Amber, let me tell you about Amber. She she was introduced by a mutual friend. She's in the dental space and uh, helping dentists spot and prevent fraud. But that's not what I was most interested in when we got to talking. So, um, well, for one, welcome, Amber. Thanks for coming. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here, and um, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. I, I've really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, same here. But here's what's exciting about you. Besides that you've helped just caught, uh, helped, helped catch a lot of fraud, like hundreds of thousands of dollars in fraud, which is interesting. But here is what's more interesting about you. And, and uh, we're going to talk about this for a minute, is that you are a former miss rodeo wyoming so you are a a bona fide rodeo queen definitely yes that was like my childhood dream um that became a reality when i was 20 years old it was an amazing experience i got to travel almost seventy thousand miles across the country and attend multiple different rodeo and agricultural um, events I wasn't just participating in rodeo events, but we did a lot of public speaking, interacting with the public. So you're kind of like a public liaison for agriculture, rodeo, that Western way of life and interacting with the public. Uh, So it was an amazing experience. I met some amazing people and it really helped mold um, my future 
in many different ways. Uh, great experiences through that, uh, both good and bad things that you learn from, and really helped me pursue a different avenue uh, career-wise um, in the dental world. It really shaped me as a person. Well, we're going to get to that. Uh, but, and so, so here's the deal. Um, and not a lot of people know this anymore, but my mom was a rodeo queen. Yeah. And uh, she was a queen at um, at the Fort Smith, Arkansas Rodeo, I believe in 1965. So it was before I came along. And okay. um, she had a now, now your tiara and everything you had was is very um, they, they weren't that big back then. But she had red, red velvet uh, outfit. And, and, you know, you didn't bedazzle things in 1965. So um so things were a little different, but, um, but you, and she didn't really do a lot of travel, like, like what you did. Mm -hmm. And so, but you had a little trouble, um, with, uh, kind of like some breaking and entering that you did, I think, uh, back in the day. So, because everybody on the show is, is, um, is, is, is either a victim or a criminal or, uh, or, or someone that, that, that has, that has caught some kind of, of crime. And now we have two in one here because you, you, you had a little bit of, now it was unintended. I'm giving you a hard time, but what happened? Well, that was like the, I guess that would be my biggest aha moment in life. Right. And because, uh, through my experience of being Miss Rodeo Wyoming, you know, you're trying to market yourself, um, your, yourself as a person, your state, your representative. So you're always trying to put your best foot forward. But how this worked throughout the travels is we would have host families in different towns uh, where you'd stay with families that you'd just met and they'd host you for several days at the event rather than staying in hotel rooms. Um, and it helped you really learn how to build relationships with people and have more community involvement and things like that. So I was at a town in Laramie, Wyoming, and um, this is before smartphones. This was back in the year 2000, so you didn't have all the fun little GPS. And I got instructions on how to go to my host family's home, and the event got over relatively late. So, you know, it's about midnight, and I drive down a dirt road. We're in Wyoming, right? So it's not like street signs. I mean, you're kind of, you know, home on the range out there in the middle of nowhere. And I pull up to this house, and... When I would travel, I had a big, large bag with me, like a suitcase about the size of a, you know, 70 pound hay bale, big spread bag, because most of the time I was gone at least two to three weeks at a time. So I lived on the road. And so, you know, the rodeo queen, we have the big hair, the sequins, the makeup. So I'm all dressed because I just did an event, have the sash across me, Miss Rodeo Wyoming. Um, so in the sequin shirt. So grab my luggage because I'm going to stay at this house for about three or four days. And I go into this house and where they told me everything was, was not 100%, but it wasn't the first time that it happened. So I was like, I'm tired. I'm just going to find where I go. And I walked down the hallway and I turned and there was a man in the tightest underwear, Speedo underwear I've ever seen <laughs> with his hair standing straight up on his head and a baseball bat in his hand. And he looks at me and he's, you know, Miss Rodeo Wyoming in the sequence. And he says, am I dreaming? <laughs> Wondering what is, you know, who's this person, Miss Rodeo Wyoming walking into my house. And immediately I'd figured out I had walked into the wrong home. I was not at the correct address. And all I could think about was he has a baseball bat in his hand. So I had a, a large briefcase leather um, bag on my side and I reached out and I grabbed my brochure I acted like I didn't even know anything was wrong 
I reached across and I put it in his hand and then I put my other hand underneath to shake his hand because I thought I've got to get this baseball bat out of his hand. <laughs> I said, I'm so glad you decided to host me to stay at your house um, for this weekend. And uh, he did get the baseball bat out of his hand and took my brochure. Luckily, he knew where I was supposed to be stay- staying and helped me get rerouted. Um so when I got to that house, obviously I'm looking for anything to make sure I'm in the correct house. Uh, the funniest story is the next day we're getting ready to do the parade and this guy comes up to me and says, hey, you need a place to stay. And um, it was the guy, the wrong address. And he said, I still have your brochure. So you know, <laughs> I got out of a, a, I guess I'd be like breaking and entering, right? And left a good impression, right? And he kept my little brochure. So you good. That was oh my gosh. experience of that. Uh, well, I think, you know, in, in Wyoming, it's real interesting because everybody leaves their door unlocked up there. Cause it, like, it is like, there is no, there's no reason to um, lock your door. Cause there's just nobody around yeah. unless I guess the rodeo queens in town and then <laughs> they lock them up people. <laughs> yeah. just breaking and entering with sequins and hair all, all ready to go. So, oh my gosh, yeah. too good. Too good. Okay. So, so now let's talk about what are you doing now? Because I, I was really intrigued because you're, um, uh, cause you met my friend at a, at a dental, uh, consultants conference and, um, why don't you talk about like, what are you doing? Okay. So it's really interesting. Um, I went into the dental field. I was a dental hygienist and an office manager um, for approximately 15 years. Um, And I don't know if it was because I came from a ranching background in Wyoming, but I was really into the business side uh, because my dad was an entrepreneur. I was an entrepreneur uh, as a young person on the ranch as well. And so I always was just uh, fascinated by the business side of dentistry. Mm -hmm. And from that, I went into the consulting world where I would help dentists uh, with systems and their their practices and their business. And through that experience, one of my first clients I ever got uh, was having a difficult time with income and, and getting paid from insurance and different things like that. And after about three, four months of trying to help them, um, I uncovered on accident, I didn't intend to find this, that uh, their office manager, she had been embezzling money from them. Oh. So, yeah, so that was my first experience with it, you know, and never even entered my mind that that was a possibility in the dental world, you know, because I just don't think that. And so from there, I branched out and I work with a company now um, out of Canada uh, called Prosperident. We're the largest embezzlement firm just specifically for dental offices mm-hmm. in the United States and Canada. And we have a couple other clients in other um, countries as well. So, wow. Okay. So, so going back to that first time you found embezzlement, like what happened? How did you find it? Like, what was the, what was the sign? <clears throat> well, the major sign is the doctor um, was just not collecting the money that he he should have been Mm -hmm. and through insurance uh payments they're like man insurance isn't paying us for stuff when in actuality in reality insurance was paying them um she was just uh making a way uh finding a way to where it didn't come through as it should have wow and and what did she do is it a fake account or what did she have it sent to another bank or what what happened Uh, she had established a different way of uh getting that money to herself so (laughs) <laughs> all right you're being pc all right yeah. fair enough fair enough uh, yeah so um and she'd done some other things like you know didn't allow him to have cash that was paid and stuff like that so 
it was really, really eye-opening because, you know, he had given her a lot of trust for many, many years Mm -hmm. uh, to help him with the practice, you know, and I think that's one of the main things I've seen in my experience, you know, in the five years that I've been in this uh, field is the amount of trust that dentists allow their team members to have really just kind of opened your eyes. Well, because de- dentists are, they're kind of small, like in the scale of employers, like they have like one yeah. dentist and then, you know, a few hygienists and, and, um, in, in a maybe a couple secretaries. And then, and that's kind of what they have. Right. I mean, there's not like a, I mean, I suppose there is, but, uh, it just seems like there's way more of that kind of setup than like big conglomerates, but, um, you know, they're not safe either. I'd imagine. So, um, right. So, so talk about, okay, what are you doing now? Like, how, how'd you end up doing what you're doing now? Cause didn't you say you're like not an accountant, but you, but you're like a fraud investigator. Like how does all that work? Yeah. So, um, I'm not technically an accountant. That was my major before I went into actual clinical dentistry. Mm-hmm. I worked for a dentist while I was taking accounting classes and they convinced me to go to hygiene school, which was a great career decision. Um, but like I said, I was fascinated with the business side of dentistry. Mm -hmm. And so I always merged the clinical side with the business side. And so when I started helping other dental practices, I understood the clinical aspect and how it also, um, you know, worked with the business aspect. So when I got into this field, I, I had a basic knowledge of accounting. Um, and I think a lot of it, like I said, my dad was an entrepreneur, he's a rancher. And so you know, I owned my own herd of cattle at a very young age. So that was just kind of like within me as a, as a small child is it's all about numbers and, mm-hmm. you know, production and making sure your business is healthy. Uh, and same deal, you know, if you're missing cows, when you go to collect them and sell them for money, you either, you know, something happened to the cattle or maybe somebody got off, you know. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because okay. my husband has his own herd of cattle. And, um, and so, uh, and his parents mostly do the, um, I don't know, care, I guess Mm -hmm. of the cattle, but, um, let's talk about cattle wrestling. Cause I'm sure, you know, a little bit about, I mean, we'll get back to dentistry. Right. But, um, but what do you know about that? Like what goes on? Well, it's a really interesting world. I mean, each state has its own different laws, but you know, everybody talks about their brand, you know, so you have, it's like a logo that you put on a cow, your brand. And you do that because if somebody were to take your animal, which is your property, right? It's like stolen property and they take it to an auction to sell it and it has your brand on it. um, Then it's registered and in the database and they go, wait a minute, this isn't your cow. This is, you know, so-and-so's cow. Um, so that's one way that people try to protect it. But, um, you know, if you if you don't have all your I's dotted and your T's crossed, you can definitely be a victim of that. Mm-hmm. Um, of somebody saying, oh, those cows are not branded yet. Um, I learned that lesson as a young child. Like I needed to make sure all my stuff was done accurately. Well, what, what happens? Does someone just pull up with a trailer and then just load? I mean, it's pretty hard to load a, a, any amount of cattle easily into a small shoot like it is just hard to do and um it takes several people at least in my experience and i am not good at it and um i'm really they put me in the in the least uh dangerous spot because i'm like oh my god i'm gonna die right so i mean are these big operations or is it just one guy like what do you see out there well i you know i haven't seen a lot of cattle wrestling um but 
you know, you hear stories and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, where I live right now in Texas, supposedly there's somebody that was very talented. Him and a friend could go and set up like a you know, portable unit mm-hmm. in pastures in Texas and load cattle out of pastures and take them that way in the, in, in the middle of the night. Yeah. Wow. In the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would that takes a lot of commitment. It would be easier just to buy some cattle and just take care of them. Like, don't you think? Then, like trying this middle of the night cattle roundup. I mean, that's just ridiculous. It happens, though. I mean, it's 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 you know. I think whatever industry you're in, fraud and theft is going to occur, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you're the cattle industry, the dental industry, obviously. Obviously, um, I think everybody is a victim to it. Uh, at some point of life and you've probably seen that you know with what you do oh you've yeah seen so many different industries and uh different types of businesses that have had fraud and different um things happen to them oh it's everywhere if you have an employee you have that i mean you're you're you have that potential there's so much trust so okay let's get back to dentist so we had okay. a little detour um what are you doing now let's talk about that Okay, so now I am a fraud examiner, fraud investigator. Mm-hmm. So what happens if dentists have concerns about the health of their practice um, and if things just don't seem like they're 100% working well for them, mm-hmm. they'll contact us and we will do an investigation and an examination and look at basically the health of their practice, um, what their dental software says versus what is actually financially happening. Mm-hmm. That's the interesting thing about dentistry. You know, there's so many different dental softwares and different things that you have to really have an understanding of true dental background knowledge to start to notice patterns of dishonesty or uh, things that just appear fraudulent within mm-hmm. uh, the, the practice. Now, what's the biggest fraud you've uncovered? The biggest fraud that I have uncovered um, is a office manager. She's out of Missouri. And in two and a half years, it was right at $160,000 worth of uh, fraud. Okay. So let's talk about that because I guess, I guess, I guess get fascinated by this because what kind of volume do you need to be running to where you don't really notice even 50 or $70,000? And then, and then it adds up, you know, to a hundred like the, the, the biggest one I've worked on is 22 million. And I'm like, how, 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 like, what's the volume on, on 160,000 that, that you kind of don't notice it that closely? Well, it's the interesting thing about what my experience is um, with dental embezzlement is it's usually not just one method, one form of methodology oh. that they're taking this $160,000. She had three different ways she took this. From oh, the well, can, you, can you say what they are? Yeah, definitely. She had, she had cash theft where, she, you know, she wouldn't allow a certain amount of cash to go into the bank, mm-hmm. kept that in her pocket. Um, then she did payroll fraud, basically just where she overpaid herself more than was agreed upon, significantly more, almost double. Oh. And then she um, did what we call expense side fraud, where she utilized the practice's um, credit card to purchase personal things from Amazon was the main one. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and so was she the one also in charge of checking the credit card bills? And so, so there was no controls. She had right. the keys to the kingdom, right? She had the keys to the kingdom. There was no oversight. You know, I always tell dentists, 
trust but verify. So there was not a lot of that verification on that on the um, other side. I mean, she had worked there, I think, over 25 years mm-hmm. and slowly, you know, started out as like a dental assistant and then moved up. Right. So had built that uh, level of trust with the doctor, um, had helped the doctor with their family gatherings, uh, weddings. I mean, she had been basically like a part of that family. Wow. And so did it just take her two years to do that? Or what do you think it was longer than that? Or is that just like the minimum that y'all got to, to be like, we don't need to be doing this anymore. It's kind of interesting. I think realistically it was just that two and a half years because they moved her into a more of a leadership, like that trusting position, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to give you the keys to the kingdom now. We think it's going to be all okay. And so um, I think it was slow to start from the patterns that I saw, but you know, over time it became more, um, routine. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in our line of work, uh, what I've learned, uh, from the expert that I, that employs me, uh, Dave Harris with Prosperity is there's two types of thieves. Uh, there's the need or greed feed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So somebody who is in a situation where they realistically, maybe psychologically don't want to, uh, steal from the person who's employing them, but they have, they have actual, you know, financial need. Mm-hmm. The larger one that you typically see in the dental world is the greed. Oh. There's a psychology behind it. There's not really a rhyme or reason as to why they're doing it. There's some type of psychological, uh, they basically get this motivation from it. So I have a really good story to share about that. I did not do this case, but um, one of the other uh, colleagues that I work with Mm -hmm. did this case. And so he did an investigation of this uh, practice. And the interesting thing is the office manager who was embezzling from the doctor won the lottery right midway through the um, embezzlement. She won a little over $3 million. Uh She had already been embezzling from the doctor wins the lottery midpoint through, keeps her job, mm-hmm. wants to stay working with the doctor. And not only did she continue to steal after she won the $3 million, but the amount that she stole significantly increased. Really? Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. I just, I am speechless. <laughs> like, so, you know, didn't even need the job because she had won the lottery, but you know, told the doctor, I want to stay working here. I love this place. This is like my dental family, that whole, you know, trust, um, you know, doctors trust it. They're small, they're small businesses. They have a lot of trust with their staff and their team members. And then after she won the 3 million, she continued to steal, but the amount that she stole increased after she won the lottery. Wow. And then how did they find that? So the doctor hired, uh, an expert from our company mm-hmm. and, um, through that, they, they did the investigation and started to see the pattern. Like, okay, she, before she won the lottery, she was stealing money. After she won the lottery, the amount has increased. It never stopped. Wow. And so psychologically, there was something that was triggering her, right? Yeah, she was getting a rush from it. I mean, exactly. now I wonder, um, I wonder if she bought more lottery tickets. <laughs> like, like I, wonder, I wonder what happened. Have, have you heard about any of the fallout or anything? No. But that's a good question. How many more lottery tickets can you buy with that, right? I wonder if she had a gambling problem. Right. Yeah. I don't. Because you can win the lottery and still be behind. I mean, with with some of these, with some of the gambling. Wow. Any other stories you can share? Yeah. So that was that's a very very interesting story. That one, you know, because you still see 
people stealing. Um, I've had a lot of payroll and expense fraud lately where they're not actually, you know, taking money that should have went into the bank. They're, they're finding other ways that it's harder to detect. Um, oh, like what? Yeah. So I have another one um, where she basically took the doctor's credit card and bought all of her, you know, meals, gas, went on weekend trips, you know, paid for all of those personal things, about $90,000 over a year and a half. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and so what's interesting with that is there was not a lot of guilt in that situation. You know, she, she felt like she wasn't valued as an employee and basically kind of deserved to be able to have those things, right? Like, Oh, I'm not going to get paid more on my paycheck. I'll just use this as my, my personal bonus system. Uh-huh. And what was interesting is she, she, she offered to pay the doctor back. Um, they did end up getting some money back from that, but she, in the letter that she wrote them, she said, I'm ready to repay my personal loan. I, personal loan. Personal loan. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, wow. I mean, what? that's just like complete denial that there's a problem or just did someone, do you think someone gave her that line or what? Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, the psychology behind some of the um, cases that you see and that we work with. I mean, you just, you really do. You want to know the true psychology behind it. So the one that I was talking to you about with the $160,000, I actually got to have a personal interview with her. Oh. And she uh, was very vague and it was hard to like read her language because it was just facial expressions at that point. Mm -hmm. We did like an online meeting. Um, But she didn't really have a true answer as to why she did it. You know, she said, oh, well, you know, I was expected to live a certain lifestyle had friends and family or different people influencing me that I had to live up to their expectations. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but in reality, you know, it was hard to know the true, the true meaning behind why she did that. Huh. It sounds like just keeping up with who's around. Yeah. Like yeah. social pressures. Yeah. Which, I mean, that can be like a real thing if you fall into it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you see that more now, you know, people are really trying to, I guess, just call it keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's so much more social media. I mean, I don't know if you were like me, but you know, we didn't have smartphones and you didn't see the new cars that the neighbors bought, or you know, you didn't see as much promotion of that mm-hmm. as you do now. And so some of the time I think that's part of it, right? Like I'm gonna be able to live the life that you do too, because I work really hard and you know, I make this doctor all of this money. That's well, yeah, that's what they think. They're like, I make you money. It's like, well, yeah, because you're that's part of the deal. If if you want to do the sacrifice and and the risk that it takes to go through dental school and pay for all that, that like to like that's it's like risk reward. But like people just forget like the risk part. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And, and we see that a lot. I mean, I've had a couple that necessarily there wasn't actual embezzlement. It was just they trusted people to manage their business. Um, and it just they didn't manage it very well. And their answer is, well, we make him all this money and he's doing just fine, but they don't see the other side of the coin. Like you said, you know, this doctor went through years of education and he, you know, has student loans, business loans. Like there's a lot, there's a lot to running a dental business. So that's another thing I do. um, Aside from the investigation, I also basically do analysis and we call it office protection system where Doctors will come to us and we'll say, well, let's take a look at how your systems, right? Your procedures, mm-hmm. policy, how things are operating and areas of vulnerabilities. 
like you might necessarily not have had embezzlement occur, occur yet, but let's talk about where you're vulnerable and suggestions and systems on how to monitor and that trust but verify. Oh, wow. As a business owner can verify and make sure there is checks and balances and your team knows that there's checks and balances. Now, what's the number one tip that you give your clients? Ooh, this is a good one. Well, number one tip that I give my clients is the doctors need to do their own reports and verify funds on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I imagine it's the keys to the kingdom, right? Yeah. I imagine it's easy to not do that because they're always so busy and running around and um, right. yeah. Well, they're focused on the, the clinical aspect, right? I mean, when you go to dentistry or dental school, and even when I was in hygiene school, I mean, very little was educated to myself. And I know other dentists about this is a business. And, you know, looking at this as, you know, mm-hmm. if you're working at Walmart or whatever, and you buy 10 gallons of milk and you only sell four, then you've got to be understanding how that works. That's not really weighed upon in the dental world because you're basically a healthcare provider. So you're focusing on, you know, the care of the patient, mm-hmm. the health, making sure that all of that is, you know, done to part. And it's a lot. It's a lot to take in and it's a lot to to look at each individual patient, you know. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, um, so when people work with you, what's your average um like bump to the business? Like 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 increase. You have a number on that? Increase. Okay. I'm not. And of like, well, you know, people bring in a consultant cause like they want to make more money. Right. Oh. So, yeah. So what's, yeah. what's your, have you, you have numbers on that? No, I mean, it just realistically depends on the practice, mm-hmm. what type of insurance they take. You know, if I, if I help a doctor with the consulting side, I don't usually have like, we are going to increase your practice by 10% or 3% because mm-hmm. there's so many variables that can contribute to that. The demographics of their patients, um, you know, the insurance that they take. Uh, how many doctors are present, how many patients they want to see, how many days per week they want to, they want to work. So when those guidelines are set up, then, you know, we can do strategic planning and figure out what works best for them. But, um, you know, usually I try to get my doctors, like, if you really want to grow, aim for, you know, two to 3% growth each year, but there's so many moving targets. It's really, really hard to just say, this is how this is going to be. Wow. Dentists are small smaller businesses, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just like you were saying. And an interesting statistic here, Tracy, is 75% of dentists nationwide will experience some type of embezzlement, fraud, or theft at least once in their career. 75%. 75%. That is the uh, statistic from the ADA. Mm-hmm. About half of those 75% will have it happen more than once. Wow. Okay. So here, here's a, that is amazing i don't know why more dentist dentist uh, associations yeah. don't hire me anyway okay so <laughs> um so what about is the biggest problem just misappropriation of of funds or do you get like stealing the drugs ever and selling those or do you see any of that or what's the split there so there's been a few cases that um some other another colleague of mine where they had somebody wasn't necessarily drugs but they would take supplies mm-hmm. right supplies the doctor had ordered and they started seeing them on eBay. Oh, so like their team members would like, Oh, let's order 10 of this that we need to do fillings or different things Uh like that. And then they'd sell them on eBay and profit that way. 
Oh, wow. Well, you know, that's, that's a drag. At least they worked for it a little bit. It's it like, I, I have more respect for that than I do as someone who just puts a cash in their pocket. Cause that's just, yeah, that's just yeah. lame. So, all right. Yeah. So, Amber, how can people get a hold of you? Cause it's pretty clear that you have a lot of knowledge that can save people a lot of money and make them a lot of money as well. Yeah. So we have a website it's, um, prosperident.com. So they can go to our website, prosperident. Um, or they can email me, um, amber.weber at dentalembezzlement.com. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, y'all heard it. Make sure uh, you talk to Amber because you're doing some speaking out there too, and you can come mm-hmm. to their event and um, and give everyone some tips and tools. So uh, not only about dentistry, but also cattle wrestling. So <laughs> and yeah. I'm saying that's a little yeah. joke, but uh, but you can do it if asked. So um, Amber, thank you so much for coming on Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. You're just the best. Well, thank you. It's been fun. And I look forward to having more continued conversations. I'll definitely, you know, when I have another case pop up, I'm going to get Tracy. Let's look at this one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Call me. We'll, we'll get you back on. Yeah. That'd be fun. And yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. Some of the stuff that comes through, um, Prosperity. If you go to our website, we have a page that's called the hall of shame. Oh, and we have, um, pictures and stories of the ones that uh, we've caught and uh, known embezzlers, what we call serial embezzlers. Oh my god! Uh, so yeah, that's a really, really interesting page when you go to the website um, Prosperity and look at the Hall of Shame. You'll see all of the different uh, people that have some of the big ones and even the little ones are on there. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's I'm a going growing there. Hall of Shame. We always, you know, when we catch a new one, we upload their photo and their info and some some of some of the people that have embezzled realistically have informed us that they really don't like being featured on that page but oh well <laughs> if, if you don't like the time don't do the crime right so. exactly yeah. all right all right thanks for joining me make sure you subscribe to this podcast rate and review it i'll see you next time